Welcome back to the Frank James Podcast. Today, my guest is Olivia from the channel Olasunvia. With nearly a million subscribers on YouTube, she's a powerhouse of Gen Z, producing deep dive video essays while pursuing a full-time schedule as a student. We'll delve into how she picks her compelling topics, balancing her student life with YouTube and her fearless approach to content creation. You're not going to want to miss this one, so keep listening. What do you like what would you say is your where do you see yourself in the landscape of YouTube because it's like a commentary channel but it seems like you're able to talk about a lot of different stuff and you're not like limited to any any particular topic. Um I guess I see myself broadly in the like video essay community but I think I focus more on philosophy than some social commentary creators do and so I guess I see myself falling in between like Sisyphus 55 and like other essay creators like FD Signifier maybe that's like my feel of it yeah so like more broadly what does like what how do you know when a video idea comes across your mind like this is for this would work in in the the canon of my videos you know what i mean yeah um i think that's what what's good about my channel is i feel like there's not really one like topic that i'm known for and so i don't feel pressured to like constantly do topics related to like one genre of things um, i feel like i have a lot of freedom to explore different topics and people will be generally interested in a bunch of different things that i might talk about i think um an underlying thread between under all of them as i said before is like bringing some philosophy into it yeah. because i study philosophy um and I think a lot of people tend to enjoy the videos where I talk about, like, personal introspective stuff, like existence or, like, relationships. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, your, your most popular video by far is about love. Our conception of love is messed up. Mm -hmm. So I do see that in, like, your, your latest video where you... Uh, talk about uh, you know the lizard the wizard liz the lizard whiz the <laughs> talk about her and you know self-care and all this stuff like it's um it is interesting because like she's blown up like what do you make of that whole mm -hmm. phenomenon because it's like her videos are not like well done or anything but she seems to be selling something people want to buy Oh, for sure. I think it's like every now and then you see people, um, whether on like the left or right of the political spectrum, um, who have these like quite unedited, like amateur vibe videos, but then people really flock to them. And I think what really like attracts people is like this self-help um, genre mm -hmm. of people who say like, oh, I can change your life if you are just confident or if you follow like these tips, you are going to be like the most attractive person in the room. Um, I think like a lot of people, especially young people, deal with like insecurity and feeling like the world is really competitive. And so um, any type of person who sounds really confident and convincing and can change them is pretty appealing. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I've checked out a couple of her videos and it does have like that. Uh, 
she don't she don't care about nothing kind of thing where you're like oh man i wish i could be that way so, yeah of course i can see why it's like attractive yeah although i couldn't help but cringe when it was like whatever the the first like i think her big initial thing was like her chewing out someone for something do you know what i'm talking about it was like a, it was like a photo shoot she was chewing out like the photographer or someone else who was there because he asked her to do something I don't know. I might be getting the okay. story wrong, but I, was I don't. Like, I haven't watched like every single one of her videos, but yeah, like I feel like there is this general theme of like she. It's like, oh, you don't like benefit me directly monetarily, or you yeah. don't bring like a lot of pleasure into my life. Yeah. And oh, I don't have your number in my phone. Yeah. Okay, then I don't like owe you any kind of like respect or my time. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt like. It was sort of like people were applauding it like it was like, yeah, you stand up to this guy telling you to do something that you don't want. I don't even remember what it was, <laughs> but it was like this is it seems like she is way overreacting to something that it's you could just be like, nah, no, thanks. Um, it's it's really weird. And that's I mean, it's something that you talk about in this video is how it's like. Gen Z has this uh, weird dichotomy between, I think you described it as like the micro level and the macro level of what they want the world to be like. And I thought that mm -hmm. was really interesting because I mean, it seemed like a good, uh, good way of explaining it. What, I mean, how would you, what, like, what is that exactly? So Gen Z wants the world to be a kind place, but doesn't want to extend that kindness in their day-to-day -day interactions? Is that sort of what it is? Like, what is, what is the psychology behind this? Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of borrowed this idea from um, this other creator I saw talk about it called Michelle, but essentially it's like, you see a lot of people say that Gen Z is like one of the most politically active generations right now. And they seem to really care about like big uh, global scale changes. So like, posting infographics on Instagram, going to protests, saying like capitalism bad, bigotry bad, like we need to end these things. Um, but then on this like individual level in interpersonal relationships, there there's kind of this like mindset of like, oh, I need, I don't really owe you anything and I shouldn't care what you think about me. Um, you know, you're not worth my time if you're not benefiting me. I should be like brutally honest. And if you can't handle that truth, then you're the one who's being hypersensitive. And I think a lot of that has come from just like the way people have grown up interacting on the internet. And it's mm. kind of translated into the way that they maybe see people in real life. Um, honestly, I think a lot of people only act that way because the internet has allowed them to. I really doubt that most people are bold enough to be that brutally honest in real life to people, yeah. which as I talk about in my video, it's because you have that like human face-to-face -face connection that you lose on the internet. Yeah, I mean, on the internet, there is no immediate threat that someone will you know, cause bodily harm to you if you say <laughs> what you're thinking. Yeah. If you say something inflammatory in a YouTube comment, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but if you say it to someone's face, it's like you don't know what they're going to do. So mm -hmm. so you are, uh, uh, pardon me if this is uh, too personal, but you would consider yourself part of Gen Z. Is that uh, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, I would. And you're yeah. a millennial. Yeah, oh, oh, oldie <laughs> but goldie. It is funny, the whole generational thing, because it's like, it you is. know, and you'll experience this in however many years, 10 years or whatever, when generation whatever next is, alpha is, you know, in their early 20s. And it's sort of like this thing where suddenly it's weird because in the in the pop culture arena, it's like, OK, I feel or at least on the social media level, it's like I feel way out of the loop and I feel I feel like millennials are kind of like struggling to redefine themselves because it's like that was our place up until very mm. recently is we were the cool ones. It's like, you know, the boomers just referred to any young person as a millennial. They still do. And so but now it's like, you know, we're in our 30s and 40s and we can't be the cool kid dancing on TikTok now. It's like it doesn't fit <laughs> us. So, um I mean- yeah, but then at the, but the other the weird part of it is is like but now we're advancing to like the important things like in culture where it's like the millennials are the ones writing, you know, TV scripts and you know producing movies and all and just like political power and stuff. Um, but it still it doesn't like I'm not in those positions, so it's like I just feel <laughs> out of the loop. Uh, do you like do you feel that the generational thing? is what you're drawn towards when you're making stuff like is it a conscious thing or it's like I have an audience who is my age and in this generation I want to make stuff that's uh you know appropriate for that or not appropriate but you know like interest them or is this sort of just like that's where your mind goes because it's like this is what you're steeped in I think I am like aware that my audience is usually around my age Um, or a little bit older. So, and also just like when I'm on the internet, algorithm smart, it's going to give me things (laughs) that like, (laughs) that like appeals to generally people in my like age bracket. So the things that I see on the internet that I then include in my videos or might inspire my video topics are, I guess, going to be um, things that people around my age also will see or have heard of. Um, But And I guess, yeah, I guess I do feel like with the examples I use, I'm thinking about like pop culture that people my age might know of. Yeah. Because I think one thing with my videos is I recognize that if I didn't include these like pop culture references or like social media references, um, they could feel pretty dry or boring to like people my age because like attention span and whatnot. Yeah. Um, And so... I do have in mind, like, how do I make people my age who have a hard time caring about more serious topics for a long time online stay on my videos? Right. Yeah, that especially with uh, the short form stuff being dominant now, it does feel a little bit like even even making long form content for me that's like a three minute comedy sketch it's like are they going to be able to stay (laughs) engaged with this and here you are making you know around a half hour video each time and getting uh, very good views so uh, I think that speaks to your your editing ability there to keep people engaged but it's interesting because I think your your style is still very uh it's not it's not like super high production value with like your setup and your camera mm-hmm. and everything. It still has that 
YouTube and TikTok to a degree, homegrown feeling of, hey, I am an individual. I'm not some kind of influencer and I'm telling you what, uh, you know, what I think is important, what's interesting to me. But the the editing, it's like your editing is, uh, is uh, I think, kind of sneaky in that way where it doesn't strike like as I was watching I was like you were making a lot of interesting choices that kept me engaged but I don't see a lot of people use or I don't see them use in that way with you know text and various cutaways and do you mm. do you do everything yourself do you do you write obviously perform edit etc yeah so I used to do everything by myself for a long time I recently got an editor like Honestly, I forget when now. Like, I think the beginning of this year, mm -hmm. I finally got an editor. Um, but I edited my last video by myself. But shout out to my editor who does a lot of it now. Um, but yeah, editing took a long time when I did it myself. I write all my scripts by myself. I do all my research by myself. Um, which I guess is why I only put out one video a month. Because it really is a long process for me. Yeah. But I like having control over my own work. Oh, yeah, for sure. Did, was it hard to get an editor at first? Did you like have to try different editors and you're, and people didn't work out? Or did you have to like give a lot of notes for this current editor to get your style? Yeah, I still I didn't like get an external editor for a long time, even though it took me so long myself, because, again, I kind of like to have control over my own stuff. I like to work independently. Um, and so when I finally decide to get an editor, even now, like I put like a lot of notes in a Google Doc, like I'll highlight specific phrases and I'll be like, put this clip from this timestamp to time this timestamp. Yeah. Or I might be like, oh, look for like this type of thing. Um, so I still provide a lot of notes to my editor. But yeah, it took a while. Like I watched multiple different versions of editors before I found one that I thought was good. It's so hard because mm -hmm. there are so many micro decisions that you make that you're not even aware of as an editor. And then you give it to someone else. And even if it's like a few frames different in how they paste something, it's like, well, this is totally wrong. Like, you totally <laughs> yeah, screwed up the right? video. <laughs> and then you try to explain to them what is wrong and how to fix it. And it's like, I don't know. Like, it would be faster if I just did it myself. Like, to, for, for yeah. me to like figure out how to articulate this to you. So. It's definitely, I mean, it's it's a big thing, I think, when a YouTuber finally is able to get an editor because it does free you up uh, to do a lot of stuff. So are you in mm -hmm. school currently? Yeah, I am. And what kind of degree are you going for? Um, I'm still working on my bachelor's degree, but I'm in my last year. Mm -hmm. um, I'm studying philosophy, as philosophy specialist, and then... Yeah. After bachelor's, I'm hoping to do like one year of master's for philosophy and then go to law school. Oh, wow. So is, yeah. this, is this a generally uh, is this a common path to like study philosophy and then go to law school? Or is this sort of just like do you know, I'm doing what I want and then I'll do law school later? Um, yeah, a lot of people actually go into philosophy to study law because like philosophy, a lot of it is about like logic and arguments and the LSAT is like a lot about logic and arguments. Yeah. But I, I went into philosophy and I'm going into law school for like, because I like them both separately. Like I'm not using 
philosophy to go into law school. Right. Okay. So it wasn't like a grand plan where you were like, I, first I will do this and then I will. <laughs> no. I mean, it was good. It was a good way of convincing my parents to let me study philosophy. Ah, like, yeah. oh, guys, uh, guys, I'm going to law school after. Like, it's okay. Like, I won't be unemployed. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I remember long ago, I heard uh, this stand-up comedian tell a joke about, uh, he was like, I, I majored in philosophy, or something like, I majored in philosophy in college, I wasn't able to get a job, but I knew why. <laughs> that is actually pretty accurate. I'm going to repeat that to my, like, philosophy <laughs> friends. Yeah, I might have butchered it, but that was the basic thing. It's like, could, can't get a job, but I know why. Do you, like, so was the philosophy interest always there or like, when did you first discover, hey, philosophy is something I want to study? Because for me, I don't think I was ever really truly exposed to what you would call like real philosophy until uh, I went to college and they forced me to take a philosophy class. Mm, I see. I didn't know that they could force you to take a philosophy class. Oh, yeah. Where, the, the, where, I, I, where I went, they had all kinds of, you know, various requirements. So even though I was studying theater, I had to take like a math class. I had to take a science oh, class. What? They were like, you got to really? have a little bit of everything in this degree. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I before I realized I wanted to do philosophy, I was like all over the place. I was like, maybe I want to do business, which I can't ever like imagine myself doing now. <laughs> um, but it was actually because I had this English teacher in high school who used to teach philosophy. And he started talking to me about philosophy. And that got me really interested in it. And I realized like, because I really liked English in high school. Um, and I realized like philosophy was like something I liked even more. Uh, it was like, here's English and philosophy kind of like adjacent to it, but yeah. like even more my thing. And so I was like, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And then after that, I learned that philosophy majors do really good on the LSAT. And I was like, oh my God, perfect. Like it was like two things setting me up perfectly. Yeah. So it was like all these puzzle pieces that just fell into place and you're like oh well this seems like the next lily pad to jump on it all <laughs> exactly. worked out yeah were there any i mean i totally get that how literature is kind of adjacent to philosophy because it, good literature at least when you're reading it teaches you a lot about life and it's like you know asking these philosophical questions about being a person you know and like the choices you make mm -hmm. etc and philosophy is just like directly talking about it were there mm -hmm. are there any were and are there any specific philosophies that really speak to you or philosophers or do you just kind of like to take it all in as a a general like historical here's how humanity has tried to understand itself mm -hmm. i i'm not someone who's like a diehard fan of any one um philosopher but for a long time, I really liked this one, this one um, philosophical branch called existentialism. Oh yeah, which is yeah, which is just like it talks a lot about like um, it talks a lot about like existence, why we have existential crises, like how we deal with the fact that our lives maybe are meaningless or absurd. Um, but I've recently become a lot more interested in like 
because that's very like individual focused on mm-hmm. individual freedom and individual responsibility. I've become a lot more interested now in theories that deal with like um, community or how we're shaped by our relational identities. So yeah, I'm trying to think of like a specific thing. For example, one type of ethical theory that I'm really interested in now is called particularist ethics. So generally we think of ethics as like, oh, here is a scenario. You get to make a choice. What do you do? There is a good and there is a bad outcome. But for particularist ethics, it's like, oh, it's really problematic to present these like thought experiments and think there's one good, one bad answer what really matters is context and so there may be a different like good or bad answer in every single scenario based on the context and the more context and information you gain about the person who's making the choice about the situation the better and better um, analysis you can make about what the right or wrong choice is and so you might not get a clean-cut answer ever like the way you would before about like good and bad Um, you might only get like a here's a better and worse and you constantly improve that judgment but um it's a lot less like it risks it gets rid of risk of like judging people wrongly um or like forgetting to consider a bunch of different like things (laughs) because people live different lives and people come from different walks of life Right. Yeah, that's and it's interesting because that is, you know, when you when you explain it, it's like, well, yeah, of course, context It's Mm -hmm. like not black and white shades of gray, but it probably is like a somewhat newer philosophy, a a somewhat newer ethic, you know, perspective, because um, like if you look at something that's more black and white, like uh and this is not to like dunk on any particular religion, but like Catholicism, just as an example, it's like, it's very black and white. There are some issues where it's shades of gray, but it's sort of like Mm -hmm. this particular thing is always going to be bad, no matter what the circumstance is. And you always have to choose this way or it's a sin. And, And that's because there is like the backstop of religion. It's like the backstop of the dogma where it's like, okay, well, we know why is this bad? Well, because we can say God said it's bad. Like, so there's mm-hmm. no need to interpret it. Um, so it is interesting and, and a much more modern view to be like, okay, yeah, well, maybe it's bad in these circumstances, but you could do the same thing in this other circumstance. And you could say, well, uh, and it just looking through some of the videos you've made, this it does seem like this particular ethical uh, philosophy does show up in the the topics you talk about um like the well even just like this most recent one the uh self-centeredness versus self-care you do like you get into a lot of nuance which i think is interesting do you struggle with that like i don't know like how much you look into the comments but i have found that uh youtube audiences don't have a lot of capacity for nuance Uh, at least it seems that way in the comments like what has been your experience with that yeah so I've had a mixed bag like there are definitely some people I guess like loyal subscribers or whatever who like you know watch attent uh watch attentively the videos that I put out um or people who maybe they're not a subscriber but they still watch attentively and they like put out well thought comments but 
Yes, there are definitely tons of people who maybe watch like two minutes or click around and think they like got what I said, and then they'll like totally <laughs> misrepresent what I said in the comments. Um, I've definitely had people like hate on me because they think I said X Y Z or that I believe in this, and I don't.、Mm. Um, but I've just kind of had to try to. Except that that's just what's gonna happen when you're putting out really long videos that people might not pay attention to the whole thing of,、um, especially when they might be about topics that are sensitive,、um, and then and people have strong opinions on. Yeah, I mean, just you know, some of the things that you've talked about that I could see being like、uh, a landmine, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like.、Uh, I had a Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson phase, and I'm glad I did. Like that could draw people from both sides、uh, exploding on you in the comments because they can't take the, you know, they can't understand the nuance of it.、Um, mm -hmm. Do you like have any、uh, trepidation going into these kind of videos, thinking, "Oh man, I'm gonna get it," or <laughs> you know, "This is gonna be really difficult to express." Eloquently and precisely, or do you just say, "No, I'm just, I, I've got this. Like, I can explain what I think." I definitely have、um, been nervous about posting certain videos.、Uh, I was really nervous about posting the one I made on abortion. Oh yeah. I was really nervous about posting one that I made. I think it was my, the video I made before my most recent one,、um, and. It's kind of this thing where sometimes I'm like, why do I still do it? Why do I put out these videos that make me like a target online? <laughs>、um, but I think, I think it's like this feeling inside me of like I have this opinion where I feel like it's important to share, and I hope that I change people's minds because it's something that I think is really important. Like I'm always trying to make sure that that side of me overrides the fear I have of being. Like attacked online because ultimately, like I, I'm hoping that my content on YouTube contributes to some good thought in the world, which in turn causes good effects in the world.、Um, and I have like that sort of platform that a lot of people are going to listen to. So yeah, it's like I can take it. You know, maybe I'll cry for a day, but. <laughs> It's like after that, it's all okay. Yeah, you know, I just I just turn off my phone, and it's not real anymore. Yeah, I mean that's I I release videos that are comparatively just fluff, and I still worry about what are people what's people's backlash gonna be. <laughs> Has there ever been a time where you were like caught off guard, where you're like, I didn't realize that people were gonna react like this? Oh yeah, I remember one specifically. I made a body,、uh, I made a video about body neutrality, which I thought was very uncontroversial、um, because I didn't, I wasn't saying it's super bad or it's super good. I was kind of being like, oh, this might be a good thing that seems to be really popular. Let's consider some ways in which it's lacking, but I also acknowledge it might be really good for a lot of other people. And I brought in like. Not just me, but I interviewed a bunch of different people to get different perspectives as well. And then I found that someone had taken a screenshot of my video, like just the thumbnail and the title, and they were basically trying to imply that 
I was saying body neutrality is this awful movement and that we should go back to like, I don't know, I was like a skinny girl hating on a movement made for like people who were bigger than me. Mm. Um, And then I don't know how it got misunderstood like that. And a lot of people were just saying that I was being like, like trying to like go back to a place where body image I was perpetuating, like, negative body image for people. Right. Um, yeah. You were basically saying, no, this is not <laughs> this is not beautiful. You were pulling the, yeah. the Jordan Peterson tweet about the <laughs> swim, uh, swimsuit cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... Well, I mean, that just goes back to the whole thing about um, people... A lot of people on the internet have no ability to comprehend... Or they don't... Maybe not the... They don't lack the ability. They just don't want to have any nuance. They just yeah. want to. See. And it's easy f- even for educated people such as ourselves to fall into it sometimes where it's just you're scrolling and you see a headline or you just see a thumbnail and a title and you don't watch it, but you just assume that you get the gist of what it's about. Even if it doesn't mm-hmm. bother you, you're like, oh, I, I kind of get what that person's trying to say. It's like, maybe I don't because you know, I didn't mm-hmm. watch it. <laughs> Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally understand. Yeah, there was another time I remember, another one of my videos, it was called, um, people love, like, screenshotting my videos with just the thumbnail and the title and being like, oh, look, you can clearly tell what this half-hour video is about because of this sentence. Yeah. Um, But there was this other video of mine called Stop Denying Women Their Autonomy, Mm -hmm. and... It's so funny because in like the first minute or two, I say that I am not advocating for choice feminism. And I think that there are a lot of things wrong with it. And the tweet was just like, I'm so sick of choice feminists, implying that I am one. And a lot of people were like, oh my God, I can't believe she advocates for choice feminism. And I was like, okay, so they clearly didn't watch the video then. So what what is choice feminism? So choice feminism, um, in summary, is the belief that, like, any choice made by a woman is feminist. Ah. So, mm-hmm. And so it's like, if a woman decides to be a housewife, it is always feminist no matter what. If a woman decides to do sex work, if a woman decides to have an OnlyFans, um, if a woman decides to, I don't know, like, leave her family, travel across the world, and disappear, it is feminist. Um, And there's been, like, tons of critiques about it from, like, other feminist scholars. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I can see how people might... uh, react (laughs) badly (laughs) to that if they were to just assume but the I think one of the good things about those kind of reactions though is it shows that you're making good titles and thumbnails which is always the struggle (laughs) you know like if you can get people to get upset just from the title and thumbnail you're also probably probably gonna get them to click on it uh I guess so. I think also my reputation, like you said, the I had a Ben Shapiro slash Jordan Peterson phase video, that video is never going to leave me behind. Like, people are always going to bring it up. So mm-hmm. anytime someone sees my face, it's like, and they don't like me already, ah. it's like, it's like, oh, well, what'd you expect? Like, did you see this video of hers? So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Have, has, oh, well. Has there ever been a video you put out and you were like, oh, man, wish I hadn't put that one out? Or are you just kind of like, no, it's, uh, you know, that's that is what it is. I definitely have thought that um, I actually have a playlist that I made called videos. I think it's like videos I don't like anymore or something yeah. <laughs> like that. Because uh, I think it's important to acknowledge that like people's ideas and opinions change and that's totally normal. Like yeah. there's this idea on the internet, I feel like, where people are just like essentialized beings and it's like, oh, you believed this? Okay, you're going to believe in this forever. Right. Um, and you're never going to change. And so I, I want to like try to normalize that. I guess that's also part of why I take on the more like home video style thing. It's like, I'm not an authority figure. I'm, I know I'm young. It's like, I'm going to change and I'm going to like learn more as I grow up. Um, but yeah, actually that video that I made the, I had a Ben Shapiro slash Jordan Peterson phase video there, like looking back, I definitely feel like there are some things that I could have said so much better. Um, or I could have been more considerate about, but it is what it is. <laughs> it's out there. Yeah. Um, and people have seen it. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like it was a uh, you know, all of the the videos of yours I've watched, including that one, I feel like you are really skilled at kind of handling it in a way where you're not you if if the viewer is reasonable no matter what their opinions are, they're not going to go away feeling like you just dismissed them. You know what I mean? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Cuz it's so it's so easy to just and it's it's so easy to be dismissive and it's also hard to purposefully not to like give both both sides of an issue a fair uh, like a fair rundown, like to, to present them fairly. And I think you do that really well. So that's uh, I think that's probably one of the the appeals of your channel there. Thank you. I've heard that, too. Yeah. Do you when you are. a So take me through sort of the process a bit of making a video let's start with like the seeds of a video because you only come out with one a month or maybe every other month like how how easily does a video idea come to you and do you put a lot of pressure on yourself to pick the right one does it feel like a big choice or are you kind of just like well clearly i want to talk about this thing hmm I think I'm lucky in that I feel like I don't really ever run out of ideas. Like, I don't think I've ever been in a place where I'm like, oh, my God, I like, can't think of a single thing. Yeah. Um, maybe that's credit to the fact that the world has so many problems yeah. <laughs> that I could talk about. Um, but, yeah, I think it's good that because I'm still in school, I constantly have to go to class and, like, do my own assignments outside of YouTube which I guess inspires me in some way to like connect things that I learn to things I see on the internet. So yeah, I constantly have like an inflow of information, even if I'm not like going out to read stuff myself. Um, and then that helps like always um, make me think of things that I want to talk about. Um, in terms of like picking the right idea, that can be a struggle because I might have like multiple ideas that I want to do at once. So when I'm picking like which one I want to do right now, I might try to think of like what might be most popular at the moment. Um, so maybe there's like 
a mainstream media connection I can make to this video that I can't really make right now to this other one, so I might save this topic for later. Um, or I might put out a poll on my Patreon and ask them what they would rather see and go from there. Yeah. So it's so it isn't that much of a struggle. You have a pretty good process for it. Do you ever find a point where you've picked a video, you're getting into work on it, and you're like, this this ain't it. I need to like change course. Yeah, I have. <laughs> but I feel like I'm kind of fatalist in that way. It's or I guess I, I'm I fall victim to the sunk cost fallacy. Ah. I'm like, oh damn it, like I worked on yeah. this already. <laughs> I guess I should just finish it. But then I'll kind of feel like it won't do well. Um or I might feel like unsatisfied with it after. Which I've been lucky about, like, when I get those feelings, it's usually been not bad. Like, I had this sort of feeling going into my Drowning in Entertainment video. Like, halfway through, I was like, oh, wait, I don't think people are going to be interested in this. There are so many videos out there about, like, attention span and dopamine detox and whatever already. Like, what's going to make this one stand out? Um, and I don't know if I'm, like, that interested in this topic right now anymore either. But it ended up doing really well. So yeah, I, mean, I got 1.5 million views. So <laughs> did you did you even like hit publish on that video thinking, ah, well, that was a waste of my time? I definitely thought like I definitely lowered my expectations. I ah. was like, eh, it's OK if it doesn't do that well. Yeah, it's OK. <laughs> yeah, uh, this uh, I so I want to do come back to the process, but I do also want to ask since you brought up like having a go to class and everything. What is that like having to juggle uh, being a student with doing YouTube and balancing all of these things? Uh, it definitely gets busy sometimes. Like, for example, this week I have two papers due and then I have two exams coming up after that. Um, and I wanted to fit in YouTube somewhere in between that. See, I always tell myself like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to put out a video like in the middle of the month. And it always ends up being like at the end of the month yeah. because school just ends up pushing it back. But um, it's just I just have to like force myself to be like disciplined about it, like go to a cafe, sit down and just write and write and stay up really late if I have to. Yeah. Have you ever, has it ever crossed your mind like, oh man, I can just quit school and do YouTube? <laughs> I've thought about it for like brief seconds before for sure. And people, other people have like told me, why don't you just do that? Um, but two reasons why I think I wouldn't do that. One is like YouTube and the internet in general is so like unstable people come and go in popularity all the time i just really don't trust myself to be able to be like super popular for more than maybe a few more years um and even if i was like i don't know i can't be certain about it and i like certainty in my life yeah <laughs> um and another reason is just like I'm glad that i feel like i can be doing something good on youtube and um like I get people messaging me saying that they're so grateful that I spoke about this super important topic or I made them feel like understood in this video or I helped them in some way and I'm really glad that I can do that but I feel like I want to do even more in my life like not just 
talk about like good ideas, but maybe become a lawyer who's not corrupt somehow <laughs>、yeah. and like do good things in like action. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a it is a good point. Like the internet is volatile. All these, you know, being a social media person, having that be your job, it's like it's all out of your control. So it doesn't really like, and I'm, I have nothing except that. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I'm in the process of like, okay, now I've got to be smart about this and build some kind of thing off of YouTube that's that feeds into it. So it's like the same thing. It's part of the same structure. But it's not all dependent on,、uh, you know, an audience, and、uh, yeah. So I can see that for sure. There's also the. You bring up a good point that it's not like it's easy to look at a video that you made and say this got a million views and I'm making a big impact and I'm getting emails from people saying thanks for this, but maybe that's not as big of an impact as it seems, and maybe stuff in real life. Actually, is a bigger, more meaningful impact, even if it's not, you know,、uh, even if the number one million isn't next to it. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to be able to do YouTube for as long as I can, and for as long as for as long as people care about listening to me. I just don't know how long that will last for. Yeah.、Um, yeah. How do you? Sorry, I don't know if I'm you, allowed to ask. See, you say whatever、questions. you want.、Yeah. <laughs> um. How like you said that you're trying to find ways of like, I guess like branching off YouTube, but like funneling it、yeah. back there. Look what what have you been trying to do in that?、Regard? Well, right now I'm just in the thinking phase, you know, because,、mm. uh, because like up until like all of my marketable skills are basically like in entertainment, so it's sort of <laughs> like I don't really know, but I'm not a. I'm not like a stand-up comic or anything, so it's like, all right, well, I don't, like, I don't really know what it would be. So, like, there, are, the obvious thing would be something to do with personality types, you know, build some kind of business based off of that.、Um, but the other side of it is, it's like I don't know how interested I am in that beyond the entertainment value. And yeah, there is like a self-help aspect to it, which I like, but I think it's also like, I guess right now I'm trying to. Figure out what is thinking too small, and is trying to stay within a personality type thing. Is it smart because it's like defining, like my place in the market, or is it too limiting because now the ceiling's really low? Because now, you know, potential customers need to buy into the whole thing of personality types. So.、Hmm. So yeah, it's, it's just in the thinking phase right now of how to build some kind of business off of it, or you know, just something else, even if it's not related. Like even if it's you know, let me、uh, write a book. Even if YouTube isn't going to help me sell the book, you know, do something else so that at least I have the freedom to be like, if YouTube、uh, goes away, I'm not freaking out. You know, because I think that's,、mm-hmm. I think.、Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. If you having a life plan, <laughs> things to do outside of YouTube, <laughs> does that free you up to be like, I'll put out this video, and it does. I'm not like too hung up on its success. Like obviously, you want it to do well, and it's tough if it doesn't do well. But you're not like having an existential crisis about it. 
Yeah, I think I've I've thought about this a lot. Like, I feel really lucky in that regard compared to like other people on YouTube, because my like <laughs> my income, my rent, whatever, like it doesn't rely on like how good my video performs. I can focus a lot more on just like what I am interested in yeah. and what I want to put out. Um, not so much about like what other people will click on. So, yeah, I can't imagine the stress it must be, like, looking at the views, like, oh, did it do good enough? Like, can I pay for my food today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's also tough because I think, uh, and, you know, if I can open up, if I can have a, you know, moment of uh, <laughs> a real human. Please do. Oh, it's like, <laughs> it's not even just the this is my job aspect because, you know, I'm lucky that my wife uh, has a good job. So it's like if YouTube said, hey, we're uh, shutting down tomorrow, <laughs> like we're, we went out of business. Sorry, guys. <laughs> like it would be it, it would be tough, but it's not like anything would change. Like it's not like we'd lose the house or anything. Mm. But um, it would be like an ego hit and it would be sort of it would be that existential thing of like, I have no idea what I'm doing now. And I think that's sort of the um and, and I think that's a lot of the impetus behind the podcast is I'm trying to not only just branch out and do something different but also like see what's working for everyone else see how everyone else on YouTube is working what are the, like how do they find inspiration where are they getting their ideas how do they navigate this whole thing because so often we're just sitting alone in our room doing whatever and it can also feel good to be like, oh, other people kind of struggle with the same thing, too. Everyone else is confused by the algorithm. Everyone else is, uh, you know, tr just hoping that what they put out is good enough. And um, yeah, so that's I forget where I started that thought. But, but no, it's the it is that the more existential thing that worries me is like mm. having to figure out that purpose, because I think uh when you kind of stumble into success on YouTube, you start to think that's real and you let that kind of uh, direct your purpose and what you're doing and your plan for your life. So now I've got to like harness that a bit, turn it around and be like, okay, now what am I going to do? So uh, overall, you're in a much better position. So, <laughs> <laughs> in summary, yeah, in summary, that's uh, you know I envy your position. Um, I'm sure you can find yourself again in something else. Oh yeah, I'm you sure. are more than just YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, the uh, so once you let's go back to your process a bit. Once, how long does it take you to knock out a script um so i would say like two to three days um because once i have like all my research done and the research usually takes it depends on the research like sometimes i might have a lot of like i don't know like readings that i've done already before with notes and that might make it a lot easier so it won't it will only take a few days to a week sometimes I might not know as much about a topic and I'm learning myself um, and so it might take like two weeks two and a half wow. but then after that once I write out my script um, 
yeah, the script is just like two or three days. It's really like once I have the research notes, I have it open on like one side of my computer screen, script is on the other, and I kind of just like follow it. Sometimes I might categorize the ideas into a table, um, but I think I'm pretty, uh, not not to brag about myself, but <laughs> I think I'm pretty good writer. Um, and I, I've kind of had to like cultivate writing skills in the program I'm in anyways. Oh, yeah. And also just like, because I'm, like, Chinese and my parents are, like, traditionally Chinese, they care a lot about education, so it's this whole thing about making sure that I'm good at school, whatever. Whole, like, life backstory. In short, I think I'm pretty good at writing, so I'm, like, pretty good at, like, um, writing, like, uh, what's it called? Organizing stuff into intros, middles, ends, being mm-hmm. like, oh, this should go here, this should go here, yeah. Yeah. So I skipped over that whole, the more, perhaps the more important uh, step there is the research, which takes <laughs> a bit longer. And yeah. I, yeah, and I'm sure being in school now, you're like up on those skills because you're doing it constantly. So it's uh, probably very natural for you to dip into that. Uh, do you have, does, uh, does it ever overlap where you're doing research for school and you're like, oh, I could use this stuff for a video? Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's been tons of times where I'm reading something for school and I'm like, oh, wait, you know what? Maybe let me just like put a mental bookmark. This might be useful for like a future video. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's always nice when you could just work more efficiently. You get to knock out two birds. with one stone. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so then after the writing bit, do you ever like send the script to someone else and you're like, hey, what do you think about this? Or do you you like to just keep it all to yourself I actually never do that but I feel like I should <laughs> I know peer editing is like really good um, like academics think peer editing is really important I know like a lot of other video essayists will like have people read over their scripts but again I don't know why like I just I'm someone who's like oh it's my work like I want it to be like all my effort yeah. um and so yeah. And also, I think just because I only put out one video a month already, when I do work on a video, I feel like I'm always in a time crunch. I'm like, okay, I need to put this out. Like, I need to put this out. And so I'm like, oh, if I have to wait for someone else to read and edit it, that's going to take even longer. Um, so yeah, I keep it to myself. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say that you, there's no reason to at this point show anyone else because you're doing uh, very well <laughs> just all on your own so uh, <laughs> don't you. change anything uh, <laughs> what about filming so what do you do uh, like is that so I've heard different things from different people some youtubers enjoy filming and depending on what script I'm doing I enjoy it but other times I hate it and there are some youtubers who always hate filming so where do you lie on that spectrum I think I'm more in the hate filming side um, just because like what I really care about is like the stuff that I've written and the ideas I've put out and filming just feels like another like barrier in getting the video out Mm. even though that's like literally creating the video itself. Yeah. Um, And it's just like um, for me. I'm really bad at memorizing stuff. And also my videos are so long, like I couldn't possibly memorize the whole thing unless I spent a long time on it. So what I do is like I put my like phone here, 
I use my phone to record and then I have my like laptop here with my script open and I just literally like I'll read a sentence and then I'll pause glance back at my script and then go back and so that it seems like I didn't stop but really I did pause right oh yeah so it's like the slow teleprompter method yeah yes but it takes a long time which I guess is another reason why I don't like it yeah well, you know, a couple of years ago, I uh, upgraded to a teleprompter where you can put like an iPad on it. You could probably put a phone on it, too. But you basically uh, can just read straight off of it and you're looking straight into the camera. It does take. Oh, really? So it takes a little bit of time to get used to, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to read, like to talk and read at the same time. But once you get that down, it does save a ton of time. So just mm. to put the putting that thought out there, because <laughs> okay, wait. So where do I find one of these? <laughs> uh, you just go on Amazon. Like I don't know for sure. You might have to get some kind of. I don't know what your setup is for holding the camera, but you might have to get something for it to hook into it. But um, mm. uh, I forget what it's called. But I can uh, I can send you a link for it, and uh, it's it's been really helpful for me when I have scripted things because it's just like so much easier than trying because I would I never bothered to do that with well I mean for comedy yeah comedy I usually just do it because it's uh, you know just feels better that way but when Mm -hmm. it's the more like I have a script written kind of thing I never bothered to do that method of read a line and say it so I would either just have outlines and kind of come up with the words as I went which always kind of got uh too uh woolly (laughs) if you will (laughs) um so yeah so having it written out is great yeah Uh, i don't Mm -hmm. i don't need need to sell this to you anymore so we (laughs) (laughs) are you sponsored by any chance uh sponsored by so (laughs) the uh so you film how long how long does it take to film a 30 minute video i'd say like um to set it up like, like to actually film it is like two and a half hours, yeah. maybe. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, editing. What would you... Is like the, the, I've got to imagine editing... Well, research takes a lot of time, but I've got to imedi- imagine that editing takes the, like, the second longest amount of time. Is that right? Yeah, I'd say like editing... Editing and script writing, they're kind of um, similar because script writing it's like there are a lot like my research notes not gonna lie I'm not the most organized so it might take a while for me to like sift things out but editing is like when I did do it by myself I'd have to like sit down and that's literally all I did for the whole day for like two and a half to three days Mm. um I would do like nothing else and so yeah editing um now since I have an editor it still takes some time for me to like think about what I want in the video because really what my editor does is still what I want to do and so I still have to take the time to like highlight things or like make a bunch of comments um so that might take like mm, like a few hours a couple of hours Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh some sometimes it feels like even when you have an editor it's like I'm still spending a lot of time working on the (laughs) editing like I don't know yeah 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 uh, and I, one thing I've also noticed is that your thumbnail style is very distinct and you usually have like a collage of different photos that, uh, 
give examples of the topic you're you're discussing and then you in the center and then some text like how long do you do you uh agonize over these thumbnails or is it sort of just like here's here's what it should be like duh honestly thumbnails is probably the (laughs) honestly thumbnails are probably the easiest thing in my process um i'm i guess i'm lucky that they work great but i don't put that much thought into them yeah I think because when I, like, edit the videos, I've already, I already know, like, what's in it. I know what examples I've used. Um, I kind of know, like, what TV shows or social media thingies I've talked about. So I literally just put those exact same things in my thumbnail. It doesn't take much time. Um, And then I just try to think of, like, a catchy but somewhat accurate title and text to put in. Yeah. Do you... uh... Do you ever use like uh, ChatGPT or anything to help you with that kind of stuff and be like, give me 20, give me 20 uh, alternatives for this title? <laughs> I actually haven't, but maybe I should try it out now. I'm just curious. It, I mean, it is interesting. Sometimes it'll give you something good. Honestly, what I found is that the more I use ChatGPT, the less uh, good ideas I have. <laughs> like, oh, really? <laughs> I feel like I've done much better when I just like kind of go on gut instinct and mm. occasionally there are certain tasks where it's like good to for the it's almost like doing some mechanical brainstorming but mm. yeah, i don't know it's just uh it hasn't worked out terribly well so uh it seems like every youtuber kind of frets over the title thumbnail thing like that's the packaging that's the thing that uh kills or uh, gives your video life like if you do that wrong it doesn't matter how good the video is do you have have you ever it seems like you don't struggle with that though and I don't know what what do you think that is um yeah like you're right it's definitely the part that I think is the easiest or least time consuming for me I guess because I'm like, oh, I I finished, like, the content. Like, that's what they're going to watch, and Mm -hmm. that's what's going to compel them to actually stay or not. So that's what I care about the most. Um, I think what I... I'm just like, if my my title includes what I'm talking about in my video, which I think is interesting, hence why I picked it, then people will click on it. Yeah. That's... I think that's great because it's like you're just re- you're resting on your instinct as a creator you're like hey this this idea is good i don't need to trick people into watching it and i really like the i really like your thumbnails but i think people like the 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 youtube experts would say that they're like wrong you know what i mean because there's so much information on them but i think that's what makes them unique that's what makes you stand out in a feed is uh, it's a very different style uh so maybe maybe everyone could take a uh a lesson from that to just like not listen to some of this advice um yeah i'm not i'm gonna be honest i did not know like anything going into youtube so don't always listen to the experts because maybe something works that they don't know about. Yeah, you had you had the beginner's mind, which is very important. <laughs> um, do you uh, 
like what kind of things are on your mind now for future videos? Like, is there a general direction that you're looking at where you're like, these are the kind of topics that are interesting to me? Um, I don't think I plan that far out, so I'm not really sure. Just something in the general range of like philosophy slash social political stuff. Um, but I do think like this was a long time ago, so it's not like from now into the future. But in the very beginning of my channel, I had put a lot more like uh, less like political, less social commentary stuff. Um, a lot of it was more like, oh, look, this is what's happening on the internet. Or, oh, here's this like celebrity and she got into this problem. Let's analyze that. Um, I think I was like a lot more focused on like trends and like internet back then. But when I saw that my channel was actually growing and people actually were like listening to me, I think slowly that made me think, oh, I should probably take like my research and my topics more seriously. Maybe I should actually talk about more important stuff. <laughs> Interesting. So you saw people responding to the, the content that was maybe a little more uh, like pop culture and less uh, weighty. Mm -hmm. And rather than double down on it, you were like, let me advance this and do something. Now that I have the eyes, let me now talk about important stuff. Yeah. And I think, um, and it's not like it was a complete like shot in the dark. Like, um, I noticed that within those more pop culture videos, what people enjoyed about me was like maybe my, um, ability to like look at both sides or to analyze things. And so I was like, oh, people actually like this more, um, academic or in-depth part of my videos. So I'm going to like apply that, but in a different context. Yeah. That's really good. Cause it's, uh, I mean, throughout, I feel like one of the themes throughout this is that you kind of just do what you find interesting and you're not like afraid <laughs> of the performance of it, which I'm sure you do have some level of like, oh, I hope this does well, but it doesn't seem to drive your decision-making when it comes to that. Yeah, for sure. And again, you know, I, I'm able to do that because YouTube is not like my full-time main thing. Yeah. Maybe that would change if it was, but I feel, yeah, I definitely don't think about numbers as much as maybe some other people do. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's great. I think that's probably the key in many ways to uh, putting out good content and like figuring out who you are as a creator so that you're actually like offering something unique because it's what you want to do and not um, like this is what everyone wants. So let me try to replicate what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. Do you, uh, so I like to ask uh, all the guests about like creative blocks and what you do when you run into a creative block. Uh, now it is like your videos are kind of like essay style, but it, there is like a, a very creative element to them. So when you get to a point, uh, specifically the way I like to think of this is uh, a card. Like if you had a deck of cards and you drew a card and something was written on it, that's telling you to do something like a, a uh, piece of a suggestion or an invitation for you in a moment of creative block to kind of get you going, what would you 
what would you put on that card? Sorry, my laptop is just going to die. I'm just going to plug sure, it in yeah. real quick. Okay. That would be uh, a tragic turn Okay, of we're good, we're yeah. good. <laughs> in the middle of answering my question. Yeah. <gasps> Boom. Um, yeah, sorry. Okay, if I was to write something to myself, yeah so like just something that would help jostle the creativity when you feel stuck and uh, i call it like an invitation but it's basically like a a command of sorts you know and it could be something very Mm -hmm. literal like take a walk outside or it could be something more vague uh like um uh get back to the fundamentals is one that i've written down okay I think for me, so my creative block happens when sometimes I just don't feel like writing. Like, I don't know where to start my script, don't know what to write. Um, And a lot of times it might come from feeling as if it's like, oh, I do school all the time and now I have to do another, (laughs) like, school-like thing. Um, And But this time I'm not even being graded on it. It's like there's almost, like, no incentive for me to do it um like there's no like punishment if I don't do it and so when I get into a space like that I think what happens to like help me like uh, makes me like really like in um makes me want to write again is honestly seeing like if I see a video online of I don't know like some political protest happening or like some really big event happening and I get reminded of like, okay, wait, this is not just a school paper that you're writing to be graded on. Like this is a video that could impact people. And I feel like, you know, I feel driven to do something about that. It makes me sound like such a, it makes me sound like I'm trying to be like, yeah, I'm such a good person. Like, <laughs> I'm always thinking about other people. Um, but I think it's, like, I need, like, some sort of motivation outside of just, like, okay, like, I guess I'm doing this in my life. Right. Like, what am I doing this for, I guess, is what I need to be reminded of. Yeah. So it's, like, a way of, yeah, it's, like, realizing, hey, I've got uh, I've got some influence here. You know, I better use it. Mm-hmm. Are there any... Uh, that would be any kind of creative block where you get it sounds like see i feel like a lot of these questions i usually end with almost don't apply to you because of the way your mind works it seems like you just don't have those usual creative hang-ups where it's sort of like get just getting too worried about the audience and less worried about like that creative spark within you does that i mean is that fair because it sounds like your creative block you had is just sort of like I don't know where to start with this. Not so much like, oh my gosh, is am I doing the right thing here? Is someone, you know, is someone going <laughs> to click like on this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't really think about that as much. I mean, you know, sometimes I do um worry about that. Uh I guess it comes from like my infrequent uploading. Again, like with my video about the drowning and entertainment one, another reason why I was worried that it wouldn't do well is because I hadn't uploaded a video in two months Mm. at that time. And so I was like, oh, like, will people still care about what I have to say after two months? Like, will people have forgotten about me? I don't know how many people stick around. So 
Yeah, that is something that I actually think about every time I upload because I don't upload as often. I don't know how many people are still, like, around <laughs> by then because I definitely, like, when I upload a video and it does well, you know, I receive, like, a bunch of new subscribers, a bunch of new followers, a bunch of new, like, messages, and then I can, like, see it, like, slowly, like, die out as I'm, like, working on my next video and it's, like... Oh no, <laughs> how many of them still care? Yeah, no, I totally get that because it's, um, I feel like there there are certain, uh, like, and I don't know what, uh, what your videos typically are like, but it's like some videos have a short, it's like they do really well, like you get a million views in two weeks and then it kind of peters out. But then there are some videos where it's like maybe not as big of a bang at first, but then it's consistently getting a few thousand every you know day or whatever uh mm. do you find that most of yours have kind of that shorter lifespan or do they all kind of like mm. accumulate views slowly over time um so i don't know if i'm gonna answer this question very well That's because fine. i honestly don't really check analytics that much um I so I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. I mean, that's uh like this is inspiring to me. Like I want to I want to stop checking the analytics. Uh it's a little I think it's a little easier for you cuz you don't have to go into your YouTube yeah. stuff except for like whenever you upload once a month. Um Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh I mean, another reason why I don't check my analytics is just like I've stopped checking my YouTube studio in general kind of it's mostly to avoid comments because um, mm. I'm a little scared of my comment section sometimes. And it's definitely caused me like, it's like definitely hurt me a lot before. Yeah. So I've decided to just like not look at it as much as I can. And I do feel some guilt about that because when I first started my channel, I was like, oh, I'm not going to let like numbers get to my head, you know, no matter how big I'm, I get. I'm still like just like another person. I should reply to people who put comments out. You know, I should read, gain feedback, learn from my audience and what they have to say. I'm not perfect. But now I've gotten to a point where I really don't read too many of my comments. And yeah, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm trying to find a balance in that right now. Yeah, I totally get that. I just want to check in. I want to continue that thought, but I want to check in with you because we've gone. Uh, to the to four o'clock when I said we would end. Um, okay. I can go a few minutes longer if you're okay. I just wanted to finish up this thought about comments. Yeah, of course. I'm okay with that. Great. Um, yeah, comments are tough. And I think every YouTuber kind of says this where it's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like don't read them. But it, I, I feel that guilt too because it's like, um, I, there are some people who I see in the comments who have been there for years. Like it's this, and it's like, Hey, I feel like they've been showing up consistently. I want to say hi to them, but, and I've found that the best way to engage with those kind of commenters is to not go to the studio, but to go to the actual watch page of the video and only go there in the first like day or so. So then you'll see those people cause they're watching. They're the first people to watch. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it is tough because you go through the comments and it's like, there's always one that pops up where it's like, man, I really wish I hadn't <laughs> read that. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I, I also imagine like being a woman on YouTube, it's uh, 
perhaps a lot tougher when you get a lot of uh, perhaps entitled and misogynist uh, male commenters who are just like letting loose. Oh, yeah, I could go for a long time about that. <laughs> yeah, I have. I've definitely had experiences with that. I don't know if we have time to like get into get, that, but <laughs> just read them all off. Yeah, I mean it's really unfortunate. I feel like uh, it's it, it's really. I feel like women have to be extra brave to, especially with the kind of content you make, to just like put your opinions out there and to tackle these subjects that are gonna incite people who don't like want to hear anything that uh, opposes their opinion. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll just say quickly before, like, we end is, like, two very common types of, like, comments that I get as a woman is one, oh, my God, like, she cares so much about how she looks. She must have spent, like, hours and hours trying to prepare herself for the camera. Surely that must mean she has nothing good to say. <laughs> um, number two is, like this kind of like backhanded compliment where it's like oh wow like you're the first woman that i've ever heard that's presented good points thank you for being a reasonable woman online wow. and it's like it's a compliment to me right like it's supposed to be like a good job you but it's also like oh so what do you think about like other women though right yeah yeah it is it does have that kind of uh condescending element to it where it's like yeah thanks for the individual compliment but it's kind of like do, should i even trust the source here <laughs> like yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah well olivia thanks so much i appreciate you taking the time to uh to come on the podcast it's been a uh, frankly an inspirational uh discussion for me personally so even if the audience is like Aww. i <laughs> even if the audience is like whatever <laughs> i can say this has been enlightening so thank you Perfect. Now I can battle through all the hateful comments with uh, with at least some security <laughs> in my worth. <laughs>